still praising God for the service the day on Sunday and just the opportunity to celebrate uh, 25 years that God has worked and used this ministry. <clears throat> Tonight we continue with our questions about prayer. You know, we've asked the question, if God is in control, why should I pray? Why did Jesus pray? What should I pray for? Should I pray for trivial things or just my greatest needs? And tonight we want to ask the question, are there things I shouldn't pray for? Are there things that I shouldn't pray for? Of course there are, right? Um, I cringe when I hear prayer about something that I know that God has already answered a certain a definitive way. And so it's useless to pray uh, against that. Now the principle there very briefly is we ought to pray in accord with God's will. We ought to pray in accord with God's will. What do we mean by that? Well, first of all, we mean that we ought to pray in accord with his revealed will. I don't know all of God's will, but I know part of it. I know part that's revealed to me. I don't know if I'm going to live tomorrow. That hasn't been revealed to me. I don't know what sickness lies in my body, what I'm going to die of or if I'm going to die at all. I may not. Christ may return. I don't know when he's going to return. That hasn't been revealed to me. So um, I should pray in accordance with God's revealed will, first of all. So what gives me that revealed will? The word of God. The Word of God helps me to see what He has revealed. There's a lot that He hasn't revealed, but the Word of God helps me to see what it is He has revealed. Let's turn to John 14, verse 13 and 14. John 14, 13 and 14. Go and read that for me. John 14, verse 13 and 14. that we need to ask in his name. We're going to talk about what does it mean um, to, to ask in his name. Well, let's ask that question now. What does that mean to ask in his name? Thing like that, we wouldn't have much of a choir, would we? <laughs> Everybody has the answer. He just doesn't want to give it. But let's, let's, let's put some answers together. When Jesus says, pray in my name, obviously he's not saying just tack in Jesus' name at the end of every prayer, right? I know that's habit. I do it myself. Um, it reminds me of the truth that I should be living by, not just tacking it on as a, as a saying that I don't understand or, or don't uh, keep in mind when I pray. But what, what should I keep in mind? What, what should that remind me of in Jesus' name? What, what should, that, should that help? Okay. He's the intercessor, so okay. So to pray in Jesus' name is to acknowledge that or realize that? What else does it mean? His will. Okay, his name has to do with his authority, certainly. And I, I come with my request to God based on Jesus' authority, not my own. Then if I'm coming on his authority, then I have to ask in line with who he is, right? Right? I can't say, Father God, Jesus is your son. He's holy. He's great. He's king, but give me a Mercedes Benz, right? One doesn't have anything to do with the other, right? 
But how do I connect that? I'm not saying I can't pray for Mercedes Benz. But I need to connect those some kind of way, right? There's got to be some connection with what I'm asking for and Jesus' authority and who he is and what his purpose and his will is. And sometimes prayer challenges us to do just that. Let's look at a few other verses. Um, 1 John 5, verse 4. If you're jotting down verses, you can also jot down. We won't look at this. John 15, 7. I'll read it while you're looking at the other. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So it's saying, it doesn't, most people just take the end of that verse. Just ask what you will and you'll get it. Jesus promised. Name it, claim it, right? He says a big if in for that. There's a conditional uh, phrase, if you abide. So abiding in him and him abiding in us is a condition for praying the way he wants us to pray and in accord with his will. Um, somebody have the first John 5.14? Can you read that? According to his will, says. We ask according to his will, in line with God's purpose, in line with the will of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, we ought to be praying. Um, Ephesians 5.17, uh, let's look at that verse, and then let's talk about a few things. Ephesians 5.17, anybody have that can read it for us? Right, so <laughs> if we're going to ask according to his will, Ephesians tells us, understand what that is. And we talked about, then we have to know what God is doing. We, we can learn that through his revealed will in his word. So I need to pray in accord with what the word of God tells me. God's plan is, his purpose, what he's trying to accomplish. Um, let's, let's pray for, for, for that. Let's pray in accord with that. Let's line up with that. Um, Praying according to his will includes some of these things. Praying in faith. James 1.6. Can somebody read that for me? James 1.6. While you're turning there, can somebody uh, turn to Psalm 66.18? And someone turn to Luke 18.1. James 1.6. Who has that can read that for us. I'm asking faith. That's a condition. That's the praying according to God's will includes praying in faith or asking in faith. What does that mean, asking in faith? Help me out. If I don't understand that, what would that mean? Believing that he will answer. Okay, so having confidence that God will answer. So it, it starts with confidence in God, right? <laughs> so you can't be an unbeliever and really pray, really. You have no relationship with God for him to answer you in that. Um, believing that he will answer. Um, what else what, what else might help us understand that? Praying in faith. <coughs> All right, let me touch on a, another thing, though. If, if we are going to pray in faith, in the confidence that God's going to answer it, we have to have kind of back to where we started from. We have to have some understanding of what kind of prayers he answers, right? 
You know, if you ever gone to, to your boss and have a request, you know, a proposal perhaps, and, and you go, you know, man, I, if, you, if you know your boss, if you know what he's like, then you kind of know how to, how to uh, 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 phrase that proposal. He's a big safety guy. You say, well, you know, boss, I have an idea about safety, right? And he perks up. If he's a, a big budget guy, I have an idea about safety that won't cost us anything. <laughs> it's going to even help our budget. Wow, he really perks up, right? So if you understand what his mind, what's important to him, what's on, on his concern, a lot of people lose it there. They, they go into the boss, I want to raise, <laughs> okay? Well, that's cool, but what is the boss thinking? What is his mindset? What's on his mind as he drives to work or she drives to work? Be thinking that way. If we're praying that way, we're more likely to pray in such a way that God will answer. And we can have confidence in God's answering if we're praying the way that lines up with who he is and what he's about, right? All right, another thing that praying according to the will of God includes in Luke chapter 18, verse 1. That's just a part of it, but... Uh, read, read that first part. Um, we might have to read some more of that just to get the gist of it. Well, who has that? Luke 18, 1. All right. Well, that really does sum up the whole thing he's going he's gonna to say in a parable. He talked about the woman who had, uh, had a matter she wanted to bring before the judge. The judge didn't really want to hear but she kept on coming, she kept on coming. And the purpose of that, we ought to always to pray and not to faint, um, not to lose heart, not to give up. And so uh, praying according to God's will there means praying with perseverance and praying with patience and perseverance. All right, another verse that we had, somebody had um, Psalm 66, 18. Who had that one? Can you read that for us? All right. What's what aspect of praying in accord with God's will does that bring up? What's necessary for praying? Huh? A clean heart. Another word for that? Okay. All right. Obedience. Doing what God asks um, and not having sin in our heart. So actually walking in obedience to him. I remember I used to, when I would ask my mom, you know, when you're a little child and you want some new shoes, right? And you know it's your turn to clean the kitchen or take the garbage out. Before you ask mom for that, what do you do? And you clean it really nice. You be smelling good. I said, mom, can you smell it? Don't it smell good? Yeah, it smells good. You know, I was, I'm, I'm about to try out for the basketball team and uh, I can use a new pair of shoes, right? And so <laughs> you make sure that your, your life is in step <laughs> before we uh, come to pray. So praying in accord has to do with our obedience. And then Luke, 2, 40, Luke 22, verse 42, is the same verse in Matthew 26, uh, 39, and 26, 42 we read before. Uh, someone read that. Luke 22, 42. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Praying in accord to God's will has to do 
with being submissive to that, giving in, surrendering to that will. So we talk about praying in faith, praying with perseverance and patience, praying in obedience or from a life of obedience, and praying with an attitude of submission. Lord, whatever your will is, I'm, I'm willing to do. So are there things that we shouldn't pray for? What, what do we cringe when we hear another person praying for um, something? Base answer to that is what? Are there things we shouldn't pray for? Anybody? To God, what guides us in that? Yes, because it doesn't line up with God's revealed will that the dead's destiny is already set, it's not going to change. God has revealed that in His Word. Hebrews, it's appointed in 927, it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. He's not going to get a second chance. So if I pray my uncle who's passed away, Lord, please give him a second chance. That is not going to get answered. It doesn't line up with God's revealed will. We need to be praying in accordance with God's will. So things we shouldn't pray for is things that we know aren't lining up with God's will at all. He's not going to go against his will. Uh-huh. do that a lot actually we pray for a miracle from God because we don't want to do what we should do right God I got this tough thing I know I should do but I pray you just make it go away make it disappear and God is like are you kidding me I put this there for you to learn a lesson I'm not having you go around it I'm guiding you right to it because I have a purpose in it I have a purpose I have a will submit to my will and so that really does impact and change the way we think about how we should pray. It's, it's not the genie in a bottle. Give me three wishes today, Lord. In fact, we say, Lord, so often do we really express that in our hearts when we pray. You are sovereign. You are Lord. My request needs to line up with you, not vice versa. Lord, line up with my will. Do what I want. And so that, that really um, should influence and impact um, our time of prayer today as well as any time. Brian, would you come and lead us in our devotional meditation? Good evening, saints. For our meditation today, we're going to continue in the book of Hebrews. Throughout our meditations, we've seen the great doctrines of the book be opened up before us. And we've come to a point now where now it's time to act. And so we never learn things in scriptures to do nothing with them. There's something that the scripture wants us to do, or something the scripture is trying to impact our hearts to change. And so in verse 19, he says, therefore, brothers, right? So there's a transition to application. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, 
our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without hope, without wavering, for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Notice there's three things, and these things guide the whole rest of the book. Three lets. Okay. First let us, he says, let us draw near. And the thought here is this, that we approach a very fearful, a God that can inspire fear. But we say, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. The reason we can approach God is because we have a true heart and assurance with faith. We come to him understanding that the path has already been made for us, right? Now, the thing about it is, and I think that we Christians, we do this too often. I think we try to defang God. We try to take out the scariness of God. But I think the scariness of God is good because that's part of his character too. It's a fearful thing, right? Later on, he's going to talk about how fearful it is to be in the hands of a living God. But the truth of the matter is, is that when we approach God, we cannot try to take away his power. But just like it says in the Old Testament, where it says God did not lay his hands on them, God has a mercy to allow us to approach him so that we don't fall into fear. It's said in many other places that's not the case. It said people were full of fear and terror. I believe that if we saw God, we would not, I don't know that, that we would necessarily, I think we would die, the scripture says we would die, but I think before we die, we would go mad. Because what we would behold would be too much for the mind to understand and to comprehend and to handle. It will be like somebody who was messed with as a child. There are things that your mind can't handle, you can't recover from. And I think that God can be full of terror. But we approach God and he brings us, shows us his merciful side. And we can only love God for that. But you take away your love for God when you take away the terror of God. Because there's a thing that he shows us that he doesn't show everybody else. And that's what's special about the relationship that we have with him. He says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Then he gives some illustrations that come a little bit from the sacrificial system with hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and bodies washed with pure water. Sprinkled clean, washed, those are the things you did before you took a sacrifice in, right? You sprinkle the blood. You clean the person before they went through any kind of ceremony. And the whole point is, is this, we approach God with sure a confidence because he's cleaned us and we remain clean. Why would we be fearful? One of the things that always troubles me, and you can always tell when somebody's in sin, when they don't want to talk to other believers. This is always the case. This is always a rule. I can guarantee you, you start to see somebody's attendance start to slip. You start to see somebody who don't want to answer basic questions. I can guarantee you that they're doing something that they're not proud of. You have nothing to be afraid of if you're doing what's right. 
person who's doing extra work don't have to be afraid of the boss asking what they do. The second let us, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. If you ever notice, each of these actions reflect some kind of aspect of the character of God, right? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Because he's faithful. Now, there's two parts to it, right? One is we reflect him. He's faithful. We're faithful. But the other thing is we don't have to waver because he is faithful, right? Just like if God says, I got you, we don't have to worry. We don't have to ask twice, right? If somebody else tell me they got $5, I know some people that if they if I lend them $5, I got to ask them five times, right? You got that money? You got it? You going to have it on Tuesday? You said you going to have it on Tuesday. That's not how it is with God, right? We can rest in what he says and don't have to fret, don't have to worry, don't have to work all hard in our minds about what he's promised us because he's faithful. Then there's a third let us, he says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let's consider that. Let's consider that. That's not just my job. That's not the pastor's job. It's not just the leader's job. All of us. One of the things I was encouraged um, as we had our anniversary service was how the pastor, he encouraged us and stirred us up to good works, didn't he? And the thing about it is it should encourage us. Our past, when we went through the anniversary service, I believe that that encourages us and stirs us up to good works. Some of the works that we Maybe you have been doing, but we not doing anymore. Maybe that stirred you up and say, man, maybe I can keep doing that again. It should stir you up, right? And that's a good service when it stirs us up. And we ought to be thinking that to each other. How can I stir up the brothers and sisters? What do we need to do to go to that next step? I know myself, one thing that I've been letting slack in the church is evangelism. I want to start evangelism again. I don't know how many people can come out and I hope some people can come just because when I come I'm going to have to bring my kids and so I'm not going to be able to be walking all with the kids the whole time but the whole point is we need a committed faithful people to go out there because we can't expect the church to grow if we don't go out there and spread God's word and the truth is I haven't had full faith that when I go out there and I give God's word that it will have an impact that the Bible says that it will have so let's just go out there and do what God told us to do, right? Let's stir up one another. Let's do it. We talk about the church growing. The Bible does give one method of growth, and that's giving out the gospel. So let's give out the gospel. Let's trust God and do it. We don't have to be some complex way. We don't need no new way. All we got to do be to tell people is Jesus died on a cross for you. Come with me. Follow me as I follow Christ. I think sometimes we can get so complicated. Maybe we've been in church too long. You know what I mean? Maybe we think that we graduated from the simple things. But the reality is that they need to know that they have a Savior. He says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. What's the day? What is the day? The day of the Lord's return. You know, the whole Bible talks about the day. 
The Old Testament just calls the day. The New Testament, they talk about the return of Christ. But it's the same thing. But you know what it is? It's a day of judgment. It's the day when God's will is revealed. And guess what? If you was to pray that somebody would go to heaven after that day, it will be a sinful prayer because it's already decided. That's the day when there's no more return. And I think we see that day approaching as we see lies increase and evil increase in our world. We start to see the day is coming. So we can't sit around. Our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers that we love, they're on their way to hell. How long can we sit back? The day is coming. That should stir us up too, right? My kids, they not saved. Your kids, they not saved. That should stir us up. So let's pray. Let's meditate on these things. These let us's, right? We didn't learn all these first 10 chapters just to go home and be smart. Good evening, everybody. So, who had a good time on Sunday? That's right. It was a good, good service, yep. Um, I had a good time. Ate a lot. <laughs> Thought Pastor Richardson did a good job. Um, so, what I want to pray about today is I just want to do a prayer of praise um, for the anniversary service, how it went smoothly, how it was a good time together, a good time looking back on 25 years celebrating 25 years, um, just a good time of fellowship with the believers. So I'll just have two people pray, just as you feel stirred to pray, and then I'll close this. You to just lift up this um, 25th anniversary um, celebration we had. We just praise you. Um, you are the one that sustained this ministry. You are the one that put a um, pastor in place to lead this ministry and um, given him the resolve and the fortitude to um, continue strong through many of the trials that this church has gone through. Um, we did the history, and we just look at there's splits. People left. People left over disagreements. Um, but this church and this ministry has endured. And you are the one that's allowing this to endure. You're the one that's allowed um, gifts of land, gifts of money that continue to sustain your work and your ministry in this city. Um, we look at, in the history, the long list of different ministries that this church has done. Such a little church and has had such a large uh, branching of uh, offerings and outreach to this city and to the people of this city. And we know that's you. We know that's you that allows these um, ministries to thrive and continue to grow. Um, we just thank you for the, the um, service itself, for just the great time of praise, the great message from Pastor Richardson, the good food, the good time of fellowship together. You allowed everything to go smoothly and every, everyone to be in good spirits. And we just thank you so much for that. Um, it is a glimpse into what heaven would be like as we're all together as one large body and we're all just celebrating in your grace and in your goodness. And we ask that you just continue to just um, grow this ministry, continue to keep this ministry for as long as, um, until you come. In your name we pray, amen. All right, normally I take prayer.